Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Could we first start with prayer today? Lord, I want to praise you for all we are in Christ. And I ask that your spirit of wisdom and revelation would enlighten our hearts wherever we are and whoever we are today into the hope of the calling that you have called us to in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. As a church, we've been recently studying Dave Smith's book, Transformed Life, which turns to Ephesians chapters 1 to 3 to address three of the most important questions we could ever ask ourselves. Who am I? Where do I belong? And what am I living for? And I wonder what struck you over those questions in the last few weeks. For me, it's been a fresh revelation that I need to truly grasp who we are in Christ. And when we do that... It is the pivotal answer to all of life's questions. Head knowledge about what Jesus has done for us is good. When that knowledge becomes vividly alive for us, it's liberating. Reciting a list of who we are in Christ is wonderful. But living out the truth of that, who we are in Christ, in our day-to-day lives, is why we exist. Receiving God's written Logos word about himself is fantastic. Allowing the Holy Spirit to transform that written Logos word into a living, dynamic, Rima word that speaks into our individual situations is life-transforming. And I've realised that one of the best ways to do that is to keep on praying. Ephesians 1, verses 17 to 20, that God's spirit of wisdom and revelation would enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that we may know the hope of our calling and the riches of his glorious inheritance in us, his saints. If we are to be truly transformed from one level of God's glory into another, we need ongoing, fresh revelation of who we are in Christ. What fresh revelation of himself has God been revealing to you over the last few weeks? What Rima word that he wants to transform your life with has he been speaking to you about? Why don't you put it on the chat line and encourage us? For me, it's been the fact that because we are in Christ, God considers us exactly the same as he considers Jesus. That because we are in Christ, every aspect of my new creation, God considers no less than he considers of himself. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I find that almost mind-blowing. I find it almost heretical, too good to be true. And, And yet it is true that from the moment we first believed in Jesus, first accepted him into our lives, we have been wrapped in Christ. And because we are wrapped in Christ, God delights in us, just as he delights in Jesus. 
Ephesians chapters, uh, chapter 1 verses 5 and 6 in the Passion puts it this way, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Lo Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. For the same love he has for his beloved one Jesus, he has for us. And his unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Galatians 3.27 paints a very similar picture. It talks about us being putting on new clothes, putting on our new clothes of Christ. It says, for as many as you are baptised into Christ have put on Christ. And Colossians 3.10 declares that we have been clothed with the new man that is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created it, and that's Christ. It's we've been wrapped into Christ the very minute, the very second that we accepted him into our lives. It's as if, and if you excuse me for a second while I go and just get something, the very instant we were accepted Jesus into our lives. It's as if we put on, as if we were wrapped in this shroud, this clothes, this holiness of Jesus. And as you look at me now, all you can see is this sheet, this clothing of Christ over me. Yes, you might be able to see the old shape of me, but actually, all God chooses to see is this clothing, this robe of Christ over me. Colossians 3, 3 talks of us being hidden in Christ, in God. And when God looks at us, all he sees is us hidden in Christ, completely covered in Christ. Everything that Christ has done for us and won for us is what God sees in us. He doesn't see our old nature peeking through. He doesn't see our present mistakes and faults peeking through. He sees us completely, totally and utterly covered in Christ. And in Christ, God is totally satisfied, totally pleased. And therefore, in Christ, God is totally satisfied and totally pleased with us. And as I look out through the world, through this sheet, all I see is this sheet. All I see is Christ covering me. I can't see anything else. I can't see the blur of the world. I can't see the problems of the world. All I see is what Christ has done in covering me with himself, in hiding me in himself. But... <laughs> For the purposes of this talk, you need to have a look at me, and more importantly, I need to see my notes. Because we are in Christ, because we are wrapped in Christ, God loves us the exact same as he loves himself. It's not that God likes us and he loves Jesus. No, he loves us as much as he loves Jesus. Wow. And it's, it's not that he loves us a lot, but he loves Jesus much, much more than he loves us. No, he loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. And I find that hard to get my head around, which is why I think Paul in Ephesians chapter 3 
tells us that we may, and prays that we may grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to, that we might know this love that surpasses knowledge and that we may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Wow. God wants us to be filled with himself because he looks at us and he sees Christ. Isn't that amazing? Ephesians 1.3 talks about us being, having been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And Ephesians 2.6 talks about God having raised us up in Christ and having seated us in Christ in the heavenly places. Both times. It's in the past tense. Why? Because it's already happened to Christ. These are truths about Christ now. And because we are in Christ now, God sees it about us. God is outside of time. He sees the end from the beginning. He sees us as we will become in Christ. So yes, it is true that we are being sanctified and it is true that we are being changed from one degree of glory into another and we are being made more and more like Christ from day to day. Yes, that is true. But God sees us as the end product. He sees the finished article. He sees us as everything we will become in Christ and he sees it now. He doesn't see us as a work in progress now. He sees us as a done deal, finished, complete, perfect, accepted, loved because of who we are in Christ. Isn't that amazing? And it's not that we become righteous sometime in the future. No, God sees us as completely righteous, just as Christ is completely righteous now, because we have been wrapped in God's, in Christ's clothes of righteousness. And God sees us now as completely blameless in his sight. Just as Christ is completely blameless, we don't have to do anything or work or, or strive or, or try to be better because Christ is our righteousness. Christ is the one who makes us blameless. And we are that now in Christ, the moment we first believed. And nothing, what's more, nothing we do can alter that because we are closed with Christ now. And God looks at Christ in us now and us hidden in him now. And that is all that God needs. The trouble is that we look at ourselves when we fail and when we uh, fall short of God's glory and we, we think God is disappointed with us. We become frightened that God thinks less of us, that God thinks we're a, a failure just as we think of ourselves as a failure. No. No, friends, no. God is never disappointed with us because we are in Christ. Because we are in Christ, God is never, ever disappointed with us. He is disappointed for us when we fall short because we've missed out on the very, very best that he has for us. As a loving Heavenly Father, he has a perfect plan, a perfect pleasing plan for us. And when we mess up, he, like any father, we just feel, oh, come on, you messed up there. Son, you missed out on the very best I had for you. But like a loving Heavenly Father, his grace is such that all we have to do is say, ah, sorry, Dad, <laughs> messed up there. 
would you teach me how to do it properly the next time I want the fullness of life that you have for me? Please show me. You see, let's not look for God's judgment in places where he's only promised us his grace. And if that's how God looks at us, if that's how God sees us in Christ now, that's how surely we should see ourselves. We shouldn't view ourselves as Odysseus or even as we think of ourselves. We are not some disaster or disease or some diagnosis or some disappointment or some derision or some defeat that we have had in our past or in our present or will have in our future. No, we are who God says we are in Christ. We are not what the world and the flesh and the devil says we are. We are who God says we are in Christ. We are currently living in a, in a cancel culture where people are cancelled out. They are publicly exposed and ostracised and shamed when they do something that culture deems to be inappropriate. In total contrast, God's culture is that he never, ever, ever cancels us out because we are in Christ. What he does do is he cancels out every single inappropriate thing we have ever done and are doing inappropriately and will do wrong in the future. Every single thing we've done is cancelled out by the blood of Christ. As far as the East is from the West, he throws them away. He forgets them. He throws them into the sea of his forgetfulness, never to be brought up again. So we should never go fishing on what God has already buried and forgotten about and cancelled out by the blood of Jesus. And we as human beings long to belong but we'll never find that longing to belong in social media and the number of likes we have or in, in certain institutions or in places or in acts that we do. No, the answer to our longing to belong is found in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's absolutely true that we do belong to the body of Christ, to his church, universal and local. And it's absolutely true that we belong to the kingdom of heaven, both now and in the future. But underpinning both of those truths is the fact that above all, we belong to God himself. We are God's possession. We are his inheritance. And what I hadn't realised until this recent reading from Transform Life is that in Ephesians 1.11 and 1.18, the use of the word inheritance can have a dual meaning, that we can be God's inheritance and also we have an inheritance from God. I find it absolutely amazing that, you know, nobody can give God anything. Nobody can give God an inheritance. Only God can give God his inheritance. And that from before the time began, before the creation of the world, God predetermined that we in Christ would be God's inheritance, that he would give himself 
us as his inheritance. That's amazing. And, you know, Zephaniah 3, 7 talks about God delighting over his people, singing over us as you would sing over your inheritance. And if God sees us and delights over us and sings over us as his inheritance, surely we should delight that he delights in us. But it's not just that we are God's inheritance, wonderful enough as that is. It's the fact that God has also given us an inheritance of himself, of us being in Christ. So our inheritance then becomes every one of that list on day 50 of the transformed life and much, much more besides. And our inheritance from God will be, yes, it will be fully revealed in the future, but we have it now in Christ because we are in Christ. God has already given us the Holy Spirit as a seal, as a down payment of our inheritance. He's already seated us in the heavenly places in Christ as part of our inheritance to be used now. He's already filled us with the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now. At the very beginning of the parable of the prodigal son, the father gives both sons their full inheritance and he wants them to use it wisely. The younger son does receive his inheritance, but he squanders it away. The older son doesn't even take his inheritance. He keeps it for another time. He keeps it for some time in the future, and he ends up by never, ever using it. And at the end, he, he turns around to the father and, and complains. He says, my life was misery. My life wasn't what it should have been because I didn't have my, use my inheritance. To me, the message is clear. God wants us to use the inheritance that he's given us now. And to me, because we have the Holy Spirit, and because we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, and because the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in us, part of that inheritance is our spiritual authority in Christ. And God wants us not only to receive it, but to use it, to use it wisely now for the growing of his kingdom, to bring his kingdom down from heaven onto earth, for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Grasping that truth and walking in the reality of our inheritance as saints in Christ is key to us taking our place as a triumphant church, as us reigning as kings and queens on this earth. We, the body of Christ, need that spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might understand just how defeated Satan is that how victorious, how utterly victorious Christ is over Satan. That we aren't fighting a, a foe on equal terms. That the power that Christ has given us means that just as Satan is and all God's enemies are under Jesus' feet, they are under our feet. I love what uh, Colossians 2.15 says, in the, in the Passion Translation, it says this, Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. 
And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner, they were his. Ah, <laughs> oh, let's revel, let's grasp, let's, let's move in the spiritual authority that Christ has given us. Isaiah 54, 17 sums up the whole concept of, of what I think God has been trying to reveal to me through this Transform Life series. That because of who we are in Christ, that because we are his most beloved children, because we are his inheritance, because we are his prized possession, God vindicates us. He declares that we are blameless. And because of who we are in Christ, totally blameless, totally vindicated in Christ, God delights over us as our loving Heavenly Father. And because of who we are in Christ, as our loving Heavenly Father, God promises to fight for us on our behalf. The battle is his. It isn't ours. And because of who we are in Christ and God is fighting for us, no attack of the enemy on our lives will succeed. And because of who we are in Christ and God is fighting for us and no attack of the enemy on our lives will succeed, we are more than conquerors in every situation through Christ who loved us. And when he do that, we have satisfied and found out who we are, who we belong to, and what our purpose in life is for. We've actually glorified God and we will enjoy him forever. We are glorifying God and in that we get our satisfaction in him. <laughs>